This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast crammed with ideas about how to be happier. This week we'll talk about why you should create a place for things in transition and discuss yet another office supply hack. And FYI, this is a very concrete episode. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and of course, the four tendencies. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And soon, Elizabeth, I will be crashing in your newly renovated house at last. Yes, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I should probably mention that we have not gotten the guest room for you <laughs> yet. So you'll have a mattress, you have a bed. Um, but that's it. That's all I need. That is all I need. But so, Elizabeth, it's almost time for us to be together in L.A. Yes. My book comes out in just five days, and we will be together in L.A. in just 11 days now. Yeah, Gretchen, you're going to be in L.A. to do your ticketed event. And while you're here, uh, you and I have decided to have a meetup in L.A. with Happier Podcast listeners. Yes. Now, listeners, we have to warn you. We're doing something novel and challenging. We have never done this. We don't exactly know how it's going to go. It seems like it could be really fun. We don't exactly know what to expect, but we have picked a location, and it is going to be in the Marina del Rey area of Los Angeles on September 17th from 5 to 7 p.m. And the thing is, we need to know how many people to expect. We have to manage the RSVPs. So in order to get the exact location, you have to go through the Better app. It's a free app called Better. Just go to the Better app or Better Gretchen Rubin in the App Store or betterapp.us if you're going from your desktop. Search under events and you'll see something called Los Angeles Meetup with Gretchen and Liz and RSVP there because we really need to kind of have a handle on what to expect. Um, It was hard to pick a place in L.A. Elizabeth, as you have mentioned many times, it's so spread out. Yes, We worked hard to try to pick a place that seemed on balance 
to be something that worked. If it's not convenient for you, we're sorry. Yes. Alyssa, I'm excited like to do this. This is something totally new for us. Yeah, Gretchen, I can't wait to meet some of our listeners and take selfies and mingle and um, have some wine. It's going to be really fun. Um, I should mention that we're not hosting this, so we're not paying for everyone's drinks. <laughs> yes. Drinks are on you, but uh, we can't wait to talk to everybody. Yeah, it's a whole new sisterly adventure for you and me, for the listeners. So that is going to be tons of fun. Yay. Um, so listen, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to create a specific place to store things that are in transition. Yes, I love this one and I need this in my life. Yeah, now it takes a little bit of explanation by what we mean, but I think it's it becomes clear. And this was something that I realized in my own apartment. I realized this was a category of, of a place that I needed. So we all have items that are in transition, like they're somehow needing to move from one place to another. So these are packages that need to be delivered. There are books that need to go back to the library. There's a tennis racket that needs to be restrung. There are forms that have to get to the right place. And what I find is that when I have something in transition, I will often leave it out like on a table or a counter or in a chair by our front door because I'll think, well, I'll leave this here mm. because if I see these shoes right here on the kitchen counter, I will remember that I need to get them re- rehealed or whatever. And if I'm not on it, they can stay out there for weeks or months. You know, you just have this thing sitting out completely out of place yes. because its presence is meant to be some kind of catalyst for action or some kind of reminder. But in the meantime, you just have all this stuff. It's clutter. Yes. And so what I realized is that we need to have a place in our apartment where things can be put so that they are properly put away, but they are put in a place that is for the fact that they are in transition, whether that's a few shelves or part of a closet. I mean, for some people, it could be a whole room, like kind of a mudroom kind of situation. But this is a place for things that are in transition. Yeah. I mean, everyone has this stuff. (laughs) Like, it's just, you know, things come up and there are items that need to be removed from your house and something, you know, needs to be done. Like, you know, remember when I was talking about um, my watch yeah. a few episodes ago when I was suggesting a power day, I was realizing, oh, if only I'd realized my watch battery yes. needed to be changed, I could have done that as well. Well, if I'd had my watch in this spot of transition, right. I would know it was there and I would have you know, been easily able to identify it. And then also, I think it can allow other people to be helpful because a lot of times, at least in my household, people are like, oh, well, I didn't return the library books because I didn't know which ones were ready to go back. Oh, but if I had the ones that were ready to go back in, I like your phrase, the spot of transition. In the spot of transition, then it would be mm-hmm. clear like, oh, these are the things. Or I was thinking also, because I was like starting to play with this idea, Let's say we need more Band-Aids. If somebody was like, oh, we need more Band-Aids, I'm going to put the empty box in the spot of transition. That would be a sign Mm. that this is something that needs to be replaced. This is something that needs to be refilled. Just like the watch is there because it needs a battery, the empty box of Band-Aids is there as a prompt. Now, you can make a list, but then it's like, where's the list? Sometimes it's easier for people to just be like, oh, here's the empty bottle that needs to be replaced. And then you just have that. It's a visual reminder, but it's not on the kitchen counter. It's not like, you know, on some chair. It's in the place where it needs to be. Yeah. And we always have like papers or envelopes we need to send to our accountant. Yeah. And this is just a constant back and forth between Adam and me where it's like, (laughs) do you have the papers that are going to the account? Are you sending the papers? Am I sending the papers? Right. 
We like write his name on them so that no one throws them away. <laughs> it's like a whole thing. And I'm like, oh, we could just have a little even like specialty box in yeah. our spot of transition just for those. And then when there's a few in there, we could, you know, take them and mail them. Right, right. Like you could have a special dedicated in basket that would be labeled yeah. like accountant. And then it's like, ooh, if there's yes. something to go to the accountant, we just put it in there. And there's also that satisfaction. I feel tremendous satisfaction. I don't know if other people have the same level that I do, but like putting something in the exact place that it belongs is like so satisfying for me. Like for me, finishing a library book would be dramatically made more exciting by the idea like, ooh, now I can put it on the mm. completed shelf or something yeah. like that. But I think you sort of have to carve out that area. And I have identified this closet that is, it's not right by our front door, but it's pretty close to our front door. And it's already partially empty. I've sort of already kind of started using it as a spot of transition. But I think with a little bit of reorganization, I can open the whole thing up to transition. And how about you, Elizabeth? For you, everything's kind of all out of place right now. Yes. Do you have a place where you could foresee it? Yes. I think a great spot for it would be a couple of shelves in our office, mm -hmm. um, our home office, because we have a ton of built-in shelves in there and they're not, a lot of them have stuff on them that, that doesn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And so I think that would be a great spot because also it's easily accessible, but it's out of the way. So yeah. it's not, you know, an eyesore. But we could just glance in there quickly and see, oh, okay, let me take, you know, my watch. Yeah. Um, let me take this happier T-shirt to work <laughs> to have it mailed. Yes. Um, if you want a happier T-shirt, right? Yes. Email us at podcast at GretchenRoom.com. They're $25. Elizabeth, when I come to L.A., I want to get into that office of yours. I'm, we're going to clean off those shelves. You know that it's going to happen. Oh, I'm very excited yes. about it. Yes. And then... You will be able to use it for when somebody requests a happier T-shirt. We'll just go right there. Yes. It'll be a whole new, <laughs> a yeah. whole new level of execution. System. We have a new system. <laughs> but I think you're right. Like part of it is there's all this visual clutter that's meant to act as a reminder. But in the meantime, it just is just annoying. Whereas if you have a, a place dedicated to it, it's more efficient, and then it also keeps the rest of your house feeling less junked up with stuff that's not where it's supposed to be. And like you said, I think it's also this silent communication between the members of the household. Yes. You know, it's like Jamie could put the empty Band-Aid box there, and you could then buy Band-Aids or vice versa. Right. Um, well, and you use a very important word there, which is silent. And, you know, in The Happiness Project, I wrote about trying not to nag and how nagging mm. is such a downer for the nagger and the naggy alike. And anytime you can do something through action so that you don't have to go, meh, 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 you know, and like remind people, it's like, oh, if I said once, I've said it a thousand times. If you're going to the drugstore, you've got to ask me what we need or like, why didn't you add that to the list right. or on and on and on. But if you just like put it on the shelf, no words need to be spoken. And yet the communication is clear and the reminder is there. So I think you're right. One of the really nice things about this is it's visual, not spoken. And so it's just if it can be out of the way, it's very clear, but it's not intrusive. Yeah. And I have to point out, you could also do this at your office. You could have a spot of transition yes. in your office. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's a report that needs to be, you know, taken down the hall to another office or whether it's, you know, oh, I have a broken stapler. <laughs> yes. this, you know, I need to get a new stapler. Yeah. Or in my case, uh, a dead dry erase marker which happens <laughs> to us a lot. 
But it's yeah. just, again, nice to know where that space is. Yes. Identify it. Clear that. I love it. I am so excited by this. I feel like I'm a shallow person that I am so excited about the idea of, <laughs> of like um, cleaning out my spot of transition. But we're so excited to hear if other people have spots of transition. Let us know. If you try it, if it works for you, send us a picture of your spot of transition. That would be so fun to see. Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And as always, you can go to happiercast.com slash 133 for anything related to this episode. And I will take a picture of my transition spot. And Elizabeth, you're, you're going to have to wait a little while for me yes. to get to LA so we can work on that. But that is you going will to help me. I love to do that kind of thing. <laughs> The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Gretchen, it is time for a happiness hack. And um, it's a great one for the beginning of the school year. And it's a file box, a nice file box happiness hack. Explain. Yes. So I, I can't remember if I talked about this in the happiness project or happier at home, but I have this system that I really, really like. This is the hack, which is if you have children, if you're dealing with children, especially ones in school, you have all this stuff that it's hard to know what to do with it. So it's like their class photo, their report card, a copy of your Christmas card, a copy of their birthday party invitation. Mm. 
there's sort of all this stuff that it feels like you should keep it, but you don't know what to do with it. So what I did is I, I bought a really nice file box. By a file box, I mean one of those boxes that if you were going to be in an office and you're going to put all your files into a box that has a frame and then you can hang file folders on it. It's a box like that. Um, but this is like a nicer one. Like it's more finished looking. It's got a kind of a woven texture and wooden handle. So it looks a little bit nicer because it's a keepsake box. And I made a file for each year of my daughter's school and everything. And I have to say, I finished Eliza's now going from preschool to 12th grade and it all fit in one file box. So it's really wow. an economical use of space. It's really handy. It's a great memento because if you're like, oh, what what did your birthday party invitation look like in first grade? And Elizabeth, one of the reasons I got the idea for this is, do you remember my friend Carrie? Yeah. So I had a friend Carrie all through high school. I think I knew her starting in kindergarten and went all the way through with her. One year, her mother had been cleaning out something, and she found a copy of my birthday party invitation from like 10 years before. And I was flabbergasted. I had completely forgotten about it. But of course, the minute I saw it, I remembered it. And I was so sorry that I hadn't kept a copy of all of my birthday party invitations. Mm. So I vowed to do it for my daughters. And so the hack is to use a nice file box. And I will include a link to the actual file box that I use because people will frequently say like, what is the actual one you use? It's called Via Motif is the name of it. It doesn't really matter. It's just the idea that you would have some kind of keepsake file box, not just some kind of cardboard thing that you would get from an office supply store for just like a lawyer who's got thousands of file boxes stacked up. This is like a nicer version, but there's nothing special to this one. It's just the one that I happen to get. And just to be clear, you then have hanging files. Do you have yes. to buy those separately? Yes. So this file box does have the frame so that you actually hang the files in it. And then I bought hanging folders that went in and first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. It made it a separate. Okay. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I, by the way, I made one for Jamie and me too. And ours is done by year. But we keep keepsakes like one of our family traditions is that Eliza and Eleanor always make us handmade cards for like Father's Day or Mother's Day yeah. or our anniversary. So keep those. So then that's fun for us because I'm like, oh, if you wanted to see every Father's Day card that you got for the last 12 years, I have them right here. You know, it's yeah. it's a very satisfying way. Or like, you know, Jamie got some special letter, you know, from some important mentor. It's like, well, where's he going to put that? He's got a desk, but he yeah. never he never uses his desk. I'm like, I'll put it here. And that way, if he ever would want to find it, I don't know that he would know to look there, but I would know to look there. And yeah. <laughs> it's there somewhere, you know, if we ever if you ever get nostalgic. I'm a big fan of keepsakes, but having them in an organized way and in a way that doesn't take up much space. And this is great because, like I said, it, you, you can get, get a lot of mementos in there without much space. Yes, that's fantastic. And now it's time for a Know Yourself Better. And Alyssa, you know, we, I said at the beginning you, you and I today are talking about things that are very specific, very mundane. This is like the mundane episode. Yes. It's hard to imagine a more mundane question to ask yourself to know yourself better <laughs> than this question. So pose it to our listeners. Okay. Do you have strong views about how to load a dishwasher? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the funny thing about this question is that so many people have such strong views about how to load a dishwasher. It just, it's amazing to me. People are so passionate about this subject. They either don't care at all or else they are like ready to write a PhD thesis about why it is so important that you load a dishwasher in a certain way. What's funny to me, and this won't surprise you whatsoever or our (laughs) listeners, 
I'm always mystified about how you're so properly supposed to load a dishwasher. For instance, knives, uh, do they go up or down? Yeah. Or f- same with forks and spoons. Are they supposed to go down, you know, when you put them in so that you don't cut yourself on them? Or are they supposed to be upright so that they get clean properly? Yeah, it's like... I don't know. I just don't know. And then I think there's this whole thing, like, you're really not supposed to rinse because today's dishwashers are so strong that it's just a waste of water to rinse. But then you're like, how can I not rinse something before I put it into the dishwasher? Some people I know practically pre-wash their dishes. Like, they're using soap. Yes. And I'm like, well, to me, that's washing a dish. I don't even... I mean, yeah. yes. But I've got very low standards. And here's another question. How often do you go back and rearrange things in a dishwasher because it's so important to you that it be loaded properly? I see people do this, like when I'm over at people's houses, like they won't say anything. They're just quietly rearranging things that other people right. put in the dish. Like, like at a book group meeting where, you know, people are like, oh, let me help you by bringing the dishes in. And they sort of start helping. And then somebody's like, mm, no, I'm going to redo that whole thing. I don't yeah, know. it is. It's interesting. I mean, what do you think it says about people? I mean, I imagine, you know, people who are more uptight are probably more inclined to want their dishwasher or perfectly organized. You know, I see everything through the lens of the tendencies, of course, because I'm so obsessed with it. And I think like questioners, like for them, it's very much like, well, what's the most efficient way? And I bet a bunch of questioners will email us and be like, this is what you're supposed to do with rinsing. This is what you're supposed to do with tines right. up, tines down, <laughs> handles up, handles down. This is why you do this with the bowls and this with the crystal and all, you know, all this kind of thing. And a lot of people are like, well, this is what you're supposed to do it. You know, like, this is how my parents taught me how to do it. Or, you know, um, and then there are the people who just like put stuff in there willy nilly, you know, and, yeah. and I and you think it's funny to me now, actually, that we're having this conversation that I have an impression of so many people's dishwashing loading styles, because you wouldn't mm. think it's something that you would necessarily be exposed to. But I guess just kind of in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, you do sort of come across different styles of dishwashing. And some people, like, they just put it in there any which way. Again, I don't know, is that like rebel? Or is that just the way you're brought up? Or you don't think it's efficient to pay any attention to it because you're just going to look. And then there are the people who are like, I want to fill it up totally because I don't want to waste water. Then there are people who are like, I hate having a a, a dirty dish in there, so I'm going to do it even if it's only half full. There's so many perspectives there's so many right views there. I mean, there's probably there's a lot of ways people would think about this where they would feel perfectly justified and that other people would violently disagree with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say being in California with the drought, yeah. I feel horribly guilty if I run a dishwasher that is not packed to the gills. Yeah. Like I'll be trying to use dishes so I can put them <laughs> in the dishwasher to justify running the dishwasher because I I would never run a half Empty dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. But I have seen people who just sort of, they're like, they've got to keep it cleared out. Yes. Whatever that might be. There's also, Gretchen, I bet some rebels out there who put things in the dishwasher that you're not supposed to, which is a whole other tangent of the dishwasher situation. Yeah. And again, this is how like other parts of your personality collide with your tendency because your tendency doesn't explain everything about you. So I'm in a polder, so I really like to stick to the rules, but I'm not interested enough in dishwashing to have like looked it up on the <laughs> internet, which I'm sure there's right. like ample information there to inform me if I would uh, like exert myself to do it because I'm just like, whatever. But I do try to do it in kind of an organized way. 
Oh, and I, I also, I agree. I like it to be full. Now, do you prefer to load or unload? That's an interesting question, too. Sub-question. I prefer to unload. I prefer to load. Mm. I hate unloading. I like unloading. Well, we would, be, we would be a good team. We would be good roommates. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Gretchen, I'd be interested to hear from our listeners, like, what they think their dishwasher style says about them. Yes. Yes. You know, like, how does it reflect yes. your personality at large? Yes. How is it like a microcosm of something bigger about you? Yes. Let us know. Yeah. I think this is going to be surprisingly fascinating. Yes, I do, too. It's just one of those things. It's one of those things. And maybe you don't even have a dishwasher. And that's a whole, you know, a lot of people don't have dishwashers. And they have whole other systems for cleaning dishes and setting them out. And do you dry them or do you let them dry naturally? And that's a whole other topic. Yes, exactly. So let us know what you think on this question, what it shows about you. And now, listen, it's time for a listener question. And as always, you could leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336, or email us at podcast at com, or leave a voice memo, record a voice memo and email it to us. We're happy to hear from you anyway. Yes. And this week's question comes from Jenna. Jenna says, I am definitely an obliger, but also very shy and suffer from social anxiety. I recognize that creating external accountability would help with changing my habits, but struggle with the fact that this requires dealing with other people. For example, I went to a weight loss group and lost weight really well, but I would dread going because of the social aspect and eventually this went out and I stopped going and my good eating habits soon stopped too. A similar thing happened when I joined a running club. Do you have any tips about creating accountability without too much social interaction? Wow, what a great question. Yes. And and I'm so glad she sent this in because this is something I hear over and over and over from obligers because an obliger will say, I get why an accountability group like, you know, Weight Watchers or a running club would work, but I'm very introverted. And so the idea of exposing myself to a group of people just is such a turnoff for me. I don't want to do that. Are there other solutions? And the fact is, I think once you sort of say, okay, I need outer accountability, but I don't want to do it in a social setting. I don't want to be meeting people face-to-face as part of this accountability. What are my other options? Then I think that you do start seeing other options that can arise. Now, it was because of this, one of the reasons that with my Better app, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the app that I, about all about the four tendencies, this is meant to help with that. And you can get that if you search for Better Gretchen Rubin or just go to betterapp.us on a desktop. And you can form accountability groups there. And I think a lot of people gain energy from meeting from an actual group. But for some people, that is not an advantage. And so they like the idea that they can do it online or on their phone. It's very convenient. And then they have the engagement from other people and the accountability from other people. But it's at more of a remove. And for some people, that's just much easier to sustain. They like that kind of accountability better. So that's one place to think about. I mean, and also maybe she wants to do something where just one person is, you know, like there are weight loss places where you're just going and talking to one counselor. You're not taught, you're not in a group setting where you have to share with all these other people. It's just one-on-one. Right. Or same thing with a running club. Maybe you want a running partner. Yeah. Not joining a running club that's full of strangers, but maybe it's like your neighbor who you've known for a long time and that, you know, um, it's just one person who doesn't present the same kind of social situation. 
And another thing to do is to think about your future self. Now, this doesn't work for all obligers, but it is, I've been surprised by how many obligers can use this, is to think, well, now Jenna doesn't feel like eating more healthfully, or now Jenna doesn't feel like running, but Mm. future Jenna will be sorry Mm-hmm. If, if I don't follow through on that. So that's something to think about, too, that you yourself, kind of your imaginary self, can be, for some obligers, a form of accountability. Yes. I find that thinking about my future self is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing, too, Jennifer, for you to think about. And I write about this in a lot with Better Than Before, about the idea that when we're asking more of ourselves, we're really, it's taxing, you know? And so when you're asking more of yourself, you have to think about how to give yourself treats or to keep yourself energized by, you know, working on your foundation. And so here, if you're trying to do habits that a lot of people do find challenging, like exercising more and eating more healthfully, maybe you do want to think about approaching that in a way that doesn't have the added level of a social situation that's uncomfortable for you. I think you're wise to try to say, I want to make this less of a demand on me. Because instead of just asking yourself to do one thing, you're really asking yourself to do two things. One is to do the healthy eating, and two is to go to the weight loss group. That's two difficult things for you. And that's a lot to ask of yourself. And so eventually you might stall out. And I think you're wise to say, well, to meet this goal, is there a way for me to meet one goal instead of two goals? Not to say, well, there's something wrong with me, or I should be able to do this, or I've done it in the past. I should force myself to do it again. Of course, there's an advantage in pushing yourself in certain situations, but here you're already pushing yourself to do something challenging. So I think it's wise to say, how can I make it easier to meet a challenging goal for myself? So good luck. Good luck, Jenna. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter (laughs) sandwich is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories. Plus, it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Okay, Gretch, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up first with a happiness demerit. Yeah, I give myself a demerit for just going too fast. Um, So Mm. I've got a lot of stuff happening right now. I've got my book coming out. My blog is getting redesigned. My site's getting redesigned. Uh, I'm I'm getting ready for my book tour. There's a lot of things happening. And what I'm finding is that I'm going too fast. Mm. I'm letting things drop. I'm not being careful. So for instance... Usually when somebody sends me a somewhat important and complicated email, I will read it a couple of times before I send reply to make sure that I've like understood all the information that's being conveyed or answered all the questions. And I'm not doing that. And so things are getting confused. Or I'll do something, which is a terrible habit, which is like 
I've been away from my email for a couple of hours and then I get back into it and, you know, like I'll do it chronologically. So I'll answer. But then it turns out that other people have answered later. And so I've confused everybody because now everybody's like, what does she see what so-and-so said? And, you know, it's like I've, I've, yes. I've like intervened in the chronology of it. So then that I do that all the time. So, it, yeah, you've got to like try to always now I try to do always go from the bottom up so that I avoid that kind of thing. So like because sometimes you're like, this has been asked and answered and I just, you know, whatever. Or like I did an introduction of the people that were very important, but I swapped their names and their descriptions. So like I described each person with that mm. wrong bio. Again, it's like, this is not hard, but I'm reminding, you know, Elizabeth, in a previous episode, we talked about, you know, go slow to go fast. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saving myself any t- time because I end up having to fix things or go back to things or, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to like calm down, take a deep breath, slow down and just be more careful and remind myself, go slow to go fast. Yes, um, I can relate. I do the same thing. Um, and it is always good to remember that ultimately you're just creating more problems for yourself. <laughs> yeah, by rushing. So, yes. Yes, don't rush. So, Elizabeth, what is this concrete gold star that you are going to bestow? I am bestowing my gold star on whiteboards. Um, and whiteboards, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, are big boards that you put up on the wall and you can um, write on them with a dry erase marker and then erase. And so they're very useful for for me because Sarah and I use them um, when we're figuring out stories or making lists of, you know, character names or ideas, whatever it may be. We use whiteboards all day, every day. Um, and I have developed a new appreciation for whiteboards uh-huh. uh, recently, which is why the gold star, because, you know, so Sarah and I, when we're breaking an episode, we put every scene up on the whiteboard mm. and it can be a real hassle because then if the scene changes or the order changes, you have to rewrite the whole mm, thing. Right. And I must admit, I'm not someone who writes a lot on the whiteboard because I have horrible handwriting. I <laughs> that watch is true. other people write. That is true. People would not ask you to play uh, that role. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but at my new job um, for the people, uh, the system they use is note cards. You write scenes on note cards and then put them on up with magnets. And then, you know, you can rearrange them very easily if the order changes or you want to just throw out a card, you put up a new card. It's very simple. And it sounds great. But for me, I just can't see the cards well. Like Mm. someone said, maybe because of the contrast, the Mm. whiteboard just has much more contrast. So I'm missing the whiteboards at the new job. And it just made my love for them, you know, (laughs) bubble up to the surface yet again. Um, and I really appreciate them. Well, you've got one of these in your house. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Adam and I have one in our office because again, it's tool of the trade. You know, this is like, um, a typewriter back in the day. Like we need our whiteboard. Yeah. You and Sarah have got to talk about this in Happier in Hollywood. I don't think people realize that this is like such a thing. I mean, I, I had no idea until, until, until you told, explained to me how they were, how important they are. (gasps) Yes. This could be a Hollywood hack and a whiteboard. Um, and the one at home, Gretch has, um, serves an extra purpose, which is that Jack can um, draw on it when we're in the office. And it keeps him <laughs> occupied. So it's I love a whiteboard. There you go. And that's it for this very mundane and concrete episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Create a spot of transition. 
Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, once again, we will say it. It helps us so much if you recommend the show to a friend, if you subscribe, or if you rate or review. Also, the resources for this week, I have discussion guides for all my books. If you're going to have a discussion about one of my books in a book group, a spirituality group, like a Bible study group, a work group, um, you can email me at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash resources and you will see the links there. Also, if you are a person who loves great quotations the way I love great quotations, you can sign up for my free Moment of Happiness newsletter, and every day I will send you a great quotation about happiness or human nature. And boy, Elizabeth, it makes me happy uh, every week Mm -hmm. to pick out the quotations for the week. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.